This is Pod Forsaken. This is Pod Forsaken. <laughs> we, we don't have to do that every time. I've tried to explain to you. I, I, this is it? Rod Forsaken. Yeah, this is Rod Forsaken. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Pod Forsaken, a horror review podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Missy. I'm Rodney. And today we are talking about Knives Out, trailer of the week, and Under the Silver Lake, Palme d'Or nominee. But more about that later. Mm-hmm. For now, mm-hmm. Under the... Nope, Knives nope, Out. Nope, no, wow. <laughs> that was technically later. Let's talk about Knives Out, trailer of the week. Knives Out, this is the new movie by Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed this, I believe. Yes. Correct? You might know him for his masterpiece. Uh, the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Thank you. Mm. But you might also know him for Looper. And, and Brick. Brick. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And at least two really good Breaking Bad episodes, which he directed. Not did cool. not write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. This looks like it a movie. It is a whodunit. A modern whodunit. Yeah. It looks like, it's like modern Clue, I guess. Yeah. It's like a Poirot, Agatha Christie, yes. Columbo-esque. I got um, a lot of Poirot vibes. Yeah. And we haven't really had a whodunit like that coming into movie like for a long time. I know it's been a long time since the murder on the Orient Express last year. But that's a well. That <laughs> was yeah. Forgot that happened. But that's a huh? remake of something. An original one. I get what yeah, you're saying. An original. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We have not had an original one in a while. Yeah. Since Ready or Not coming out <laughs> next month. That's not, that's not like a whodunit. I know, but in, like in many ways, old fashioned. Totally true. Parlor they mystery. seem like the same movie to me because they're both like a bunch of like a bunch of actors in like a creepy house. And Ready I guess- or not is a new thing. Red Knives Out is trying to be like you know that childhood school. game Knives Quite Out. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we play Eric. one, two, three. Knives Out. <laughs> Jenny, that's a spoon. Sit down. <laughs> I think it looks pretty interesting. I think if I didn't know it was Ryan Johnson, I don't know if I would be excited. Because it looks like just like high gloss. Like there, there are moments of fun in the trailer with um, Captain Planet being like <laughs> <laughs> just like cursing at people. That seemed fun. That part was great. Yeah. But I don't remember where I heard it first. <laughs> are you just stroking your wood? <laughs> he is. is that, he won't stop. No one can see it. This is audio. <laughs> they can hear it. I see it on the waveform. <laughs> you should. Everyone uh, should know that uh, Missy loves Twin Peaks. I love it so much. To the point that if you are familiar, you know the log lady. Missy has not one but two separate <laughs> pillows that look like the log from Twin Peaks. They're people of different size backs. I am literally surrounded by fucking Twin Peaks shit. There's like <laughs> Funko Pop Twin Peaks. Be- she has like dead Laura Palmer Funko Pop. <laughs> Many posters and framed Pictures. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm holding that. I'm holding my log right now. Yeah. So uh, while uh, Rodney quietly strokes his wood, I'm going to say, if I didn't know this was Ryan Johnson, I don't know if I would be excited because it looks polished. It looks interesting. But any sort of whodunit, Hollywood has sort of not done a great job recently. Mm-hmm. I'm it, worried. It looks maybe a little style over substance. Yeah. But whodunit is like my favorite genre. Like every night before bed, I read whodunits. Oh. I read most Poirot, most Miss Marple, like pretty much every whodunit series. I've read it. Wow. They lull me to sleep. I find them so comforting. Really? Yes. Huh. You know, it's weird. I'm not a big whodunit fan, but I really do enjoy like slasher films where the, you know, the killer is masked and you kind of guess like who, I, I guess it's still a whodunit. That's like my sweet spot overlap, I guess. Oh, yeah. Who killed yeah. it? Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of the like, detective asks questions and like narrows it down. And the, the other thing it's 
there are shots in the trailer that make me, I, I guess here's the question. Is Knives Out like a whole bunch of people just in a house or do people start getting murdered one by one? Mm. It seems like people start getting murdered. I think yeah. that it's going to be the murder is going to have to try to murder again to cover stuff up. Mm-hmm. We might not have more deaths than just the one that I don't know. Um, yeah. There might be like one more death and that's like how the detective figures it out. A lot of times the detectives like aren't able to like save everybody in these who done it. Yeah. I mean, movies. I watched the trailer a couple times and there's, there's some shots of like someone throwing like a Molotov cocktail. There's like a dead body with a, like a dead woman with a spider on her face. But she wasn't any of the characters. I don't know. I, but I, yes, I assume other people will die in this movie. Yeah. But it's kind of like all the suspects are in one house. We know one of them is the killer and we're going to slowly get the clues and we're able to figure out who did it. Question. Do you have a guess as to already who the killer is? I don't. Daniel yeah. Craig. I'm, I that's I think it's Daniel Craig. You can, no. I think I think that shot. There's a shot of him like sitting by the fireplace, and he's like, "I suspect foul play." And I don't know. I just that in that moment, I, I was mean, like, "He's doing a very weird act." Like his accent choice for this is not making me feel good. Yeah, I like I don't know. I guess that's the problem. You play James Bond Same all the time, and Collette. you're British naturally, Her- and then you start talking like you're from the south, and I'm like, it just doesn't. It's weird. Tony Collette's accent's weird, too. His southern accent sounds like my British accent. It doesn't sound authentic, I imagine. I'm Rodney. I'm like a renaissance. I'm Rodney. I'm British. (laughs) Yeah, you just go higher and higher. That's how you know how British you are. Yeah. (laughs) It's strange. I did that when I went to England, talked in that accent the whole time, and everyone knew I was American. It was crazy. (laughs) Good day. Where's Big Ben? (laughs) Hello. Top of the morning. That's Irish. (laughs) Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Top of the morning. Yeah. Well, anyway... Daniel Craig's accent is not great in this, based no. solely on the I don't know trailer. who let him do that. So um, the the other thing that stands out to me, and that I don't remember what movie it was, but I was reading a review for like a big ensemble movie, and they were like, when you have that many stars, it is hard to just have somebody in a bit role. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a big ensemble with big names, you have to service every character, and sometimes that can dilute the story. That makes sense. Yeah. I worry when I watch the trailer that it's going to be big and bloated and messy. Yeah. Um, There's so many amazing people cast in this. Yeah. And it is great to see Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. In a non-Halloween movie. She's the one I was most excited to see in the trailer. Again, Toni Collette is like a really great actress. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like everyone's going to be doing a good job. I just can't, you know, I think it's just, I don't like trailers. I just don't. You know what I mean? Like, I... I watch a trailer and I'm like, like, here's the thing. You got, I got to know what Knives Out is about. I didn't until I, I, I had no idea. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, it's a whodunit. I'm intrigued. I will come see it. Ryan, you got me. I'm, I'm going to come see your movie. All right. Mm-hmm. I just wish everything was a bit more like, like the It trailer, you know, like, yeah. I just want to see. I'm worried. I'm excited for there to be a second trailer. I want them to do what we suggested a few episodes ago and just show us a full scene. Yeah. Cause like in this trailer, you see there's like a car chase. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, well clearly like it escalates. And, and if you really, I mean, if you really wanted to be nerdy, you get like paper and like, you could like at least try to figure out who lives longest, you know? <laughs> um, I guess I'm not going to do that, but look, I applaud a, Hey, it's a brand new movie, right? It's not based on anything. Yeah. It's just like an original, an original work. But I do think that Ryan Johnson is a bit hit or miss. And after, you know, uh, The Last Jedi, I fear that he has mistaken like twists for like this comes down to like that subversion of expectations nonsense that everyone fucking talks about now. Like I can't walk down the street without someone being like they subverted my expectations. No, (laughs) you fucking just did the you did like a thing that came out of nowhere. Right. Like there's a Mm -hmm. difference between a twist versus I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, right? 
other than I hate I hate the subversion of expectation stuff because like uh, Game of Thrones recently, I felt like tried to do this a lot, you know, Ugh. like, yeah. oh, spoilers for Game of Thrones. If for some reason you don't know what yeah. happens by now, but like, oh, you thought Jon Snow was going to fight the Night King. He doesn't. It's Arya who has nothing to do with them. Expectations subverted. Right. But like, it, here's what I guess. Here's what I'm trying to say. I want you to give me what I want in an unexpected way. That's the thing, right? Like, right, yeah. I, I, I do want him to fight Jon Snow. Does he have to win? No, right? But I don't want, like, I expect the, the Night King's army to, like, march to the end of the series and it'd be a big thing. And you're like, you thought that was going to happen? Your expectations have been subverted. They die right away, and they're not even relevant to the rest of the story. Right. Well, okay. There's, there's like oh, a you're difference. like really opening up old wounds, Rodney. And so, I'm yeah. sorry. So I'm worried that Ryan Johnson has like, and I'm not even going to talk about Last Jedi. And I'm not going down that road. That could be a whole fucking hour. I, I don't watch Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Ryan Johnson really ruined Captain uh, James Luke Kirk. So <laughs> ruined his whole character arc. I worry that it's going to be like that. Like. Here's a two minute trailer for this murder mystery, but by Ryan Johnson, the guy who likes fucking with people. Right. And I just I worry it's going to start that way and then go and become a totally different movie. I don't know. I well, I'm I, worried even more now. What? You're making me even more You're worried than I already was. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I applaud it for it's a refreshing breath of fresh air. And please, yes. everyone, I encourage you to continue to make yeah. new movies. And even if like. The, the trailer doesn't sing to me. Like, it just it just doesn't sing to me. That's what I can put I it. I want this to do well so we have more whodunits like this. Yeah, I, I would take a, a, a yearly whodunit. I think also I didn't, I really didn't like Murder on the Orient Express, you know? Oh, well, like, yeah, they did, yeah, a horrible like, job with that. Here's the problem. Those movies. But that's an amazing book. It's an amazing story that, like, it but was there. They, how, but didn't they just, it doesn't everything that happened. I think it's poorly casted and they messed it up. Okay, fair enough. I didn't care. But that's for an it. amazing story. It has one of the best twists of all time. So valid, perhaps. But again, like we've talked about sometimes when something has been in the cultural mind for yeah, a while, exactly. it's like very true. everyone knows. Yeah. If you watch true. movies, you know what the twist is. So like how do you re that that was more of a question of like why does this exist? I agree. I didn't ask I didn't need it. Yeah. There's a million other good Poirot movies they could have redone. Yeah. Yeah, I think this could be really interesting. It also could be just sort of like a well-acted like smoking room piece with a bunch of people yelling and accusing each other and then like interstitial violence. See, that is what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about too. Yeah. Yes. I fear it is they just endless, let them like riff or something. Endless scenes of Daniel Craig like arguing well, I with, do declare. Yeah, yeah. I do it's declare. Why didn't I you might be the killer and then Captain I, I, I said, is I like, said I said I <laughs> said I'm not the killer. You're an asshole. And then Jamie Lee Curtis is like, oh, both of you shut the fuck up. And, you know, like she goes and I need a drink. And like, it's like like 10 minutes of them in a fucking living room. You're like, please, something happen. Right. (laughs) You're watching 10 actors just eat the scenery. (laughs) I just feel like that's what it's going to be. And then like in the final 10 minutes, there'll be a car chase. (laughs) And then Bruce Willis comes in and kills them. I don't know what you're referencing. but Looper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wouldn't it be like young Jamie Lee Curtis shows up from yes. the past, you know, <laughs> and then she like looks at the sun and disappears and turns into a ghost. Yeah, maybe like she has a twin we don't know about till the end or something. Dude, spoilers. So you, <laughs> so you think it's Jamie Lee Curtis's twin based yeah. on the trailer. All yeah. right. That's I like it. That's good. That's Put money good. On it. I'm telling you, Daniel Day, Cra- Daniel Day, Craig. <laughs> Daniel Day, Craig. <laughs> Daniel- My left bond. <laughs> 
He's the killer, hundred <laughs> percent. But anyway, I uh, it comes out in November, correct? This is a November release. November, which mm-hmm. you know usually is a good sign. Oh, it's a but for my birthday, that's exciting. So oh, we do yeah. another murder mystery party. Oh yeah, Ooh. that's true. You are you, you Missy has done two murder mystery parties at this I point. Have. Yeah, that one I know with of. a real murder. Uh huh. Yeah, that yeah. was that was that was intense. We yeah. still miss you, Leslie. Yeah. Now I, it was only like three hours in why I figured out that cop was such a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> but they apparently couldn't convict. So you get to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that kind of wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. Looks interesting. Could be a misstep. They're walking on a knife's edge. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Ooh. One, two, three, knives out. Missy, you're out. Uh, what? I only got oh. a spoon. That's a, that's a spoon. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to segue into Under the Silver Lake. But once again, let me encourage everyone, if you like our show, please like, share, subscribe, tweet about us, email us, podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't like it, uh, don't write any review. Yeah, please. If you don't like it, email us privately and tell us why you don't. (laughs) And we'll write a review. And we'll send you some money. Um, So then you'll (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Any promises of um, monetary remuneration are not binding. like if you're listening and you're enjoying it like i've said before it's important that we get you know i want to i i want you to have more of this podcast and the best way that happens is to get more people on board and the way that happens is by you taking one minute and writing a review on itunes or even rating yeah a, a rating is Reviews good. better Does that work? no it doesn't i've no. rated us a bunch and it just doesn't. yeah me too <laughs> It it really is it really is the written review. Not just giving us five stars is nice, but it doesn't help us in the same way as just saying like this is the best podcast. Send or if you would like to be more specific, even better. Um, Chris is always right. Uh, yes, Chris is, Chris is always right about everything. I'll, Thank you. I'll, you know, as long as it comes in written form, I'll accept it. <laughs> but again, thanks for listening, and uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun doing this, and we look forward to bringing you many more episodes. But now for like. The meat. I am so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> Under the Silver Lake by David Robert Mitchell, I yes. believe. Uh, for those of you who don't know, David Robert Mitchell made your favorite horror movie, It Follows. Amazing movie. I assume it's your favorite. I mean, not your favorite, but you it's like it. It's up there. Everyone, Everyone likes It yeah. Follows. Yeah. If you don't, we're going to stick a ghost on you. Yeah. If you uh-huh. haven't seen It Follows, I mean, you you should watch it. It's great. Yeah. Spoilers. We you should watch it. it. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Um, it follows is definitely a horror movie, and it feels kind of like an homage. It felt really like, new. Like it, it follows felt really different than anything I'd seen in a long time. Very fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, full disclosure, I had a film at South by the year that he had his premiere, Myth of the American Sleepover. Yeah, the pre the film before it followed. Yes, and he his ensemble won best ensemble. The actor in my movie won best actor. And so we went to the party uh, that night and I think I met him briefly, but I also met Lena. She was very nice. What are you whispering about? Just say I thought I felt a little earthquake. I'm getting paranoid since that earthquake a few weeks ago. I keep feeling a little earthquake. No, I farted. I felt one yesterday, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I I will say I have met him. Very nice person. That's good to hear. Yeah. It follows. I thought was a great follow up, but I don't know if I think that was actually. So this is the story I heard is that. After Myth of the American Sleepover, somebody came to him and was like, you made a great movie. What do you want to make next? And he pitched them a passion project that they were like, okay, do you have any horror movies? And he allegedly went like, I have this idea. And it was just like a log line for It Follows. No script, no nothing. Hmm. And then they were like, 
done. We're doing that one. I don't know this for surezies. My gut tells me Under the Silver Lake was the passion project he pitched. I would believe that. Yeah, yeah, I would believe that as well. Do you know if he's a conspiracy theorist himself? I do not know. I don't know if the conspiracy thing is meant to be literal. I think it's sort of a, I don't know, we can dive into it. This movie was up for a Palme d'Or. What is a Palme d'Or? The cons, the best movies in con. Really? Yes. This was one of the like five or six movies that. With what other kind of movies are nominated for that? Uh, kind of like what other movies have won recently? Didn't the Square win? Yeah, uh, which I did not. So see. those like we, I want to want to see that pretentious films tend to win. Like weird, weird pretentious okay. films. Yeah. If it won the Palme d'Or, I probably did not see it. That's okay. just a good good rule of thumb. It's all the movies that like go on to the Oscars usually, and then everyone's like, "Wait, what?" So this could go on to an Oscar. Well, it came out. It came out in two thousand seven. No, it did not. It was last go year. On. What year? So was like last year. Yeah, it was something for last year. Okay. So like shoplifters. Oh, which that was, was an amazing movie. Yeah, and that was not that, that was, has stuck with me since yeah. I saw it. Blue is the warmest color. Tree mm-hmm. of Life. Like very big filmmakers' but, films. But this did not win the Palm d'Or. No, it was nominated. Okay. It was one of the ones in contention of all the movies at Con. So that just to give you the the context of what this movie is. Let's just say right off the bat, this is not a horror movie. No. And no, it's not a horror movie. It, is, it was billed as a horror comedy in places really? that I've read about. Yeah. I mean, just since who the director was, I thought mm. it was going to be. It had to be, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to hold that against it, but I think. It's we, a thriller. Yeah. Okay. It is a thriller. It's kind closest of. to like a Hitchcockian. Yeah. Thriller. Yes. It's definitely a lot of vertigo. By Hitchcock. But I literally. Like most movies for this podcast, I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't read anything about it. I Same. just knew it was the next movie by the It Follows guy. Press it, play. That's all I knew as well. So I did go in expecting a horror movie, like a traditional horror movie. And I'm not angry about that because you are you don't have to be put in a box. You don't have to make the same thing. So I'm going to judge this based on its own criteria. I had not seen American Sleepover, which I guess is not a horror movie either, right? No. That's the first one you said? Yeah, that is was that his good? first I actually didn't watch it because they were all oh, scheduled okay. at the same time my movie was. Okay. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> a good reason. Like Ang Lee, all his movies are totally different. You know, like they're, they're, that dude doesn't make any one specific thing. And so David Robert Mitchell is allowed to make whatever he wants. And so he made Under the Silver Lake, which is a bizarre thriller. And I have been since watching it, I've been trying to think how to talk about it. I don't even know how to talk about this movie. I know. This is I'm going to tell you the words that best describe this movie. And they are weird Byzantine and pretentious, like maze-like. Yeah. And pretentious. I think those are the three words that best describe it. feels like a stream of conscious dream where I don't remember what happened in the movie and what happened in my head. It did have like undertone, like some Lynchian undertones. It did. Mm -hmm. I I actually really liked it. I just don't understand it. But I did enjoy it. Like I really enjoyed it. I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. Based off of some of like the background stuff, like is it, it... I will try to do an explanation of this movie. Can I explain it? Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make it because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. I'm going to give you the very quick version. Can I, can I let me just get this one thought out. <laughs> you do it, Chris. Uh, you seem no, 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 no. I don't want to explain it. I do not want to go what, down that. What about me? Do you want to do it? <laughs> Missy, do you want to do the quick and dirty? I, I just want to get this thought out. If, <laughs> if La La Land is a love note to Hollywood and the struggle and success, this feels like a ransom, like, threat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where it, it feels like somebody moved to LA 
worked in the industry and fucking hates it. Yeah, you you have said that very well. Yeah. The two movies that came to mind while I was watching it were La La Land, but like the opposite of La La Land, and The Neon Demon, which mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you saw. Yeah, yeah I, I love that movie. Only in that like The Neon Demon is also a long, slow, pretentious movie about the evils of Hollywood. I love Neon Demon. But I, I loved The Neon Demon. I liked this. First of all, the quick and dirty. Just what's it about, Missy? It's about a guy, Sam, that may or may not have mental illness problems. A woman moves into his apartment building, Sarah, and he sees her in the pool and kind of gets obsessed with her. He She invites him over to have sex and then... Basically, she has moved out overnight and he wants to figure out what happened to her. So we see him going all around L.A. He gets involved. It's just kind of one scene leads to the next as he gets pulled deeper and deeper into him deciphering codes and what may be conspiracy theories going around in Los Angeles and until he finds out what happened to Sarah. Yeah, well done. Concise. Things that I think are important for the listener to know. Again, this this is a like... A, first of all, it's a long movie. It clocks in at two almost, and a half hours. It's like two. Yeah, it's one forty, so almost two and a half. Um, and it's you feel it. <laughs> it it's, yeah, it is long. It also feels like first of all, the the lead actor is Andrew Garfield, who mm-hmm. you know as Spider Man. But I did not know that for about twenty minutes. I was I'm like looking oh, really? at well, because like I'm, there's no opening credits to the movie, and I'm like correct. I don't think there were opening credits. No. I didn't see his name. And I'm I'm looking at him and I kept thinking that guy looks a lot like Andrew Garfield, <laughs> but like plot I, twist. It is. Yeah. I guess here's my thinking. This movie did not get theatrically released. It did just not in a lot of theaters. Did it? It yeah. came. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that the Lambert? But I'm theater? willing to bet that every single person listening to this has not watched it unless they watched it specifically to hear us talk about it. Like, I just don't think most people know this movie exists. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I, I knew he was making a movie called Under the Silver Lake. And then when you recommended it, I was that we were not recommended it, suggested we watch it. I was like, that came out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's like sitting on Amazon Prime right now. You can go watch it. And because of that, it makes it feel like it's some kind of small hidden movie. So I was like, why would Andrew Garfield be in this random small movie? But obviously the movie he's in is like it was going to be the next movie from the It Follows exactly. director. And then A24, who, you know, distributed it. They clearly watched it and were like, I don't know what to do with this. No one's going to watch this nonsense. And yeah. Here. Well, it was just a movie that, that that is that long. That's not a Marvel movie is hard to sell. Yes. In theaters. I'm going to start off by saying that I I thought Andrew Garfield was great. He was. I really liked him in this. I will say this is a movie that I don't understand. I have some, I can parse it and I can bullshit about what I think it's about. I don't know. I have no fucking clue. Well, that's a shame because I came here specifically for you to tell Same. me what this was about. I okay. Know. I was very I thought you would know everything about this movie. I thought you would tell movie. me about all the movie posters on the walls and what that meant with the plot. Like I mean, summer. it's so thick. It is a dense movie with so much reference. It's Vertigo. It's Citizen Kane. Yeah. Like just the number 23. It's like every fucking conspiracy movie ever rolled up into one. As I said, in this like threatening letter to Hollywood of like, fuck you and everything you stand for. (laughs) And it has, has anyone seen Gozu? No. No. That is a Japanese horror by, I think it's Takashi Miike. Horror's not quite right. It's it's like- it's Takashi Miike? Yeah. I believe it's Takashi Miike, but it's a, uh, it's basically his version of the Odyssey. Uh, where this dude uh, who is a Yakuza member goes on this odyssey to increase it. Like there's no real plot other than he's searching for his brother 
and it just goes to increasingly bizarre locales. Hmm. I've heard of it. I just never seen it. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, where it's like there is a thread where Andrew Garfield's character is searching for this missing woman, which is very Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely Vertigo is the movie that it's most like in, yeah. in that. In just even plot. from the first few minutes when he's looking at spying on his neighbor with the binoculars that had like a rear window yes. feel to yes. it. Yeah, it's very much a like a and they ode. show Hitchcock's grave later on right, in the movie. Right, and like James Dean's bust, and right. like there there is an ode, like it, it it feels like a love note to what Holly, like what he imagines Hollywood was. Yeah. I would say that the score was also very oh, Hitchcockian, so old noir, and I love it. Yeah, loved it. it was beautiful, and it was by Disasterpiece, who also did the mm. Follow score, which is very different score. So yes. yeah, so they're yeah. very talented. I love yeah. the score. So. Like I could parse it and I have some feelings of what it's about, but I have concrete feelings about what certain things are about, Mm -hmm. what the entire conspiracy that he unravels about. I'm not quite sure. Have Uh, you heard of that before? I guess we'll get into. No, I've never heard of that. I mean, like I've heard of crazy people being like there's messages in pop music. Old Egyptian. Right. That's kind of like Josie and the Pussycats with mm, the message in pop music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's that's a funny pull. I didn't think of that, but that's true. <laughs> it felt very strange too to have a movie that is about a class of like struggling creatives, right? That it's like Andrew Garfield is dating this girl who sort of comes in and out. Ricky Lindholm, who's yes. amazing. And she's like an actress who's always like preparing for like some schlocky role. Mm-hmm. And then he has his friend Topher, played by Topher Grace, is like sort of this like sleazy scumbag that like uses his drone to spy on this model do guys do that i assume you some guys do and drones to no. just spy on girls i some guys Rodney. do why are you making eye contact I, <laughs> sorry you told Rodney, me not to do that Rodney, where those binoculars come from <laughs> i'm right here just let me just put my remote control drone down <laughs> but then it like that's such a strange sequence where it's like they're spying on this model who's extremely wealthy and then she's like they're they're going to like you know leer at her but then she's like bawling on her. Oh, yeah, that was really sad. So I think the movie is about the loneliness and isolation of L.A., the idea of privilege that many young creatives come to L.A. with because it's like you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than you have of making it in Hollywood, that you have these delusional people who you need to be a little crazy to make it. And in the in the way that like La La Land was like, yeah, you need to be crazy and you just need to embrace that and it'll you know, you'll have highs and lows in your life, but if you just stick to it, it'll work out. This is like, if you just stick to it, you'll realize that everything is bullshit and nothing matters in life and you'll end up poor. Like, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I almost feel like I want to spend the rest of my days getting drunk at parties and arguing with people about this movie. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I hated it. There were things I liked and there were things I, I hated. I want to watch it again. I don't know if I want to or not. Like, I do. I, the best way I can describe it I do feel like there is a a theme that runs throughout, sometimes explicitly stated, that nothing matters, that nothing is important, and everything's just bullshit. And I almost feel like the director and writer was basically like, that's my movie. My whole movie feels like it's important, and it feels like there's a meaning, but there isn't. It's just fucking nonsense, and you're the fucking fool for thinking there's any meaning here. Right. And- that has been bugging me for days. Mm-hmm. And like, it's almost, I'm starting to feel like Andrew Garfield. Like, I feel like there's like code, 
there's like codes within codes in everything I see. <laughs> and like he's I've been trolled into believing that your movie is good, but you secretly know it's fucking nonsense. Yeah, I, it feels very postmodern in that way where it's like you came to see a movie. I'm going to make a movie about movies and how pop culture is actually vacuous. But yeah. you came for that. Like eat from the trough, piggy. And you're just like, <laughs> What's the safe word? <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. The whole it just I feel like it's just such, like such a mind fuck, you know. I don't even know. Should I recommend this to people? Do I recommend I, this? this? Is a movie I am glad that I watched. I will never watch it again because I don't like. I feel like I often say that, and I go, I got it, whatever. This I'm like, I don't get it, and it doesn't matter because I feel like the artist doesn't feel like it matters. Yeah, I. I, uh, that's good. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good way to put it. I don't think people should watch it because like I, I, the odds of you liking this movie are low. I don't think you'll walk away being like, I love that movie, but I think it's a really good way to spend two and a half hours. If you like filmmaking, it was in a good mood the whole time. I mean, yeah, I I was was your favorite part when the squirrel fell out of the tree and looked up at him. I mean, that was adorable. Was your favorite part when the king of the homeless people shows up and he's like, I'm the king of the homeless people. I actually really liked that character in the end. No, I, I liked him. Yeah. I liked when he, Andrew Garfield's hand gets stuck on the magazine. And um, that's like how Spider-Man gets his powers. Mm-hmm. And since he was the old Spider-Man. Well, like, he, his hand actually gets stuck. It's a Spider-Man comic. Exactly. Yeah. Spider-Man comic. It's like a little nod to yeah. his previous roles. Did you like the part where the bathroom full of women all start barking? That well, was something weird. else to talk about. Well, there's something else going on in the undercurrent of this whole movie where there's someone killing dogs in LA. Yeah, like the movie, and the movie literally opens with like a shot of like um like a coffee shop window and written on it like graffiti says beware of the beware of the dog killer and then very quickly they establish that there's some person who's been killing all the dogs of Silver Lake. Oh, and we should say for those who don't know, Silver Lake is a neighborhood here in LA. Mm-hmm. So that's when it's referencing under the Silver Lake, that's or most of the movie, most of the movie takes place. Yeah, the reservoir. Uh, you should also know there is no lake. Yeah, there's just like a reservoir. That's, I mean, I guess what's the difference between a lake and a reservoir? Like a reservoir is a man-made thing that holds water. For- that's correct. It's man-made. That's the answer. <laughs> so this is why we have Chris here's, on here. Yeah. Here's the question: Do you know the difference between a lake and a pond? One's bigger. No, it's about whether or not uh, water vegetation grows roots on the bottom. No way. Yeah. You are so Gross. smart. And yet read you can't a lot of tell Wikipedia. me anything about this movie. <laughs> okay. All right. So I find it fascinating because in some sense, it's like, because it starts with the dog killer thing and the way that they treat him, he's a guy who has dog treats on him. Yeah. And he's constantly saying like, oh, there's a girl I like who has a dog. Or he says like, my dog just died. Or so you get the sense that he is the dog killer. Mm-hmm. I think he is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he definitely is. Right. And oh, really? every time he sees I... a woman, like half the woman in this movie is just barking at him. Right. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But you never see him kill a dog. I, mean. I think that he was at the end when the homeless king is interrogating him with the dog's treats in his pocket. They thought like, I don't know, like this might have actually been like a cop interrogating him. Um, that thought he'd. Well, before. All right. Before we dive, because we have to talk about so many spoilers. I don't. Is there anything to. Sp- I don't there's nothing to really. Spoil? That's the thing, there's nothing to spoil. It's just sort of like two and a half hours of. I mean, Andrew Garfield. It's like Garfield. a slice of life movie, kind of. Yeah, it's it's basically Andrew Garfield over five days in L.A. trying to track down this girl he has the hots for. Yeah. Who he like he didn't even sleep with her. He like they it, had one conversation. He's yeah. being such a creep. Yeah. And he is in 100 percent of the movie. I don't think there's a single moment he's not in the movie. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's all from his perspective. And there are skunks everywhere. He gets skunked. And so he smells really bad mm-hmm. the whole movie. And everyone's like, 
what's that smell everywhere he goes? I, I, I don't know. I do think, I do think people should watch it. I think you yeah. should watch it just so we can get drunk and talk about it. Right? <laughs> or you can like, you can get drunk and write into us. Like, I will say if you like classic films, there are so many homages and it does have that production quality that feels like you're watching a Hitchcock movie in mm-hmm. places. Yeah. If you like Vertigo, you, I, I'm not trying to compare this to Vertigo, but it, it, it really feels like Vertigo. Like yeah. it just got if that. You get that vibe at many, many points and a little noirish too. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to start talking about actual plot details. I don't think they're spoilers per se, but like there is, I don't know. There is a charm, I think, to just I think there's a charm to watching any movie just sight unseen. But this one, because of how fucking bonkers it gets, you the trailer doesn't really give away much, but I think you might enjoy it better to just sort of go in blind to this one so that as it unfolds, you start I, I felt my, with each scene, I was like, what is happening? Right. Like, is this going anywhere? And then I started to feel like there is a story that's unraveling, like in a good way, a mystery that's unraveling. And then you get to the end and it's like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, it's also sort of like Mulholland Drive. If Mulholland Drive was like quirkier, I don't know. I don't mm. know. It's a frustrating movie. I can tell you this. My wife hated it. Like, I, she, I understand why someone would hate this. She and I don't hated it them. so much. Uh, and she hated it like 10 minutes in. Oh. And by the time it was over, that that held. And I absolutely, if anyone watched this and said, I hated it, this is a piece of shit, I agree with you. But Missy- It's not a piece of shit. It's just, I understand why you- All right, it's not a piece it. of shit. It's not, that's, but if if you told, if someone said they thought it was a piece of shit, I would get where they're coming from because it sort of is a movie about nothing. It's just about like a dude who goes around LA and meets weird characters and starts seeing codes There's everywhere. There's tons of slice of life movies. But but it's not a slice. This is not life. It's a, it's like an alternate- uh, His re- life. It's, it's Seinfeld the movie. It's a movie about nothing. Well, I don't know because it's- It's a joke because Seinfeld was the show about nothing. It was about all kinds of things. No, that's what they pitched it as. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh-huh. You people. <laughs> I've heard you that before. Philistines. You, heard that you before. people. I mean, you <laughs> stroking your log. <laughs> I, ugh. It just, it's cool, but I, I think there's a lot of really interesting, like, commentary on the idea of, like, self-importance and white privilege to a certain extent. It was like, like specifically like male privilege. Cause like the, the final moments of the movie, he literally gets like the, the answer of like where to find where he needs to go is he gets Nintendo power issue one. And he has to lay this other cereal box, cereal box map over it. And then it's just so everything, every scene in this movie comes together, but in a very weird way that like he's seeing meaning and stuff that isn't there, but it's yes. For such a weird movie, Almost all of it, quote unquote, makes sense. Like, I'm like, I get how he got from here to there. And like the internal logic makes sense from an outside view. It doesn't well, with a couple exceptions. Yes. There there are moments in the conspiracy that do feel like black dynamite where it's like you said microphone, microphone, Michael, Michael Collins. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't I really don't even know how to like it's just it's it's so it's so bizarre. He, he starts looking for the girl. What's the first thing that happens? Right. He's like, I'm going to find her. He also he is, goes into her apartment and finds right. a, a, a shoe box mm-hmm. and takes a picture of her. So he's looking at that the whole time and sees this other girl. He like runs out when this other girl comes in the apartment and she takes the belongings and she's like, oh, fuck, this girl must know where Sarah is. I need to follow her. Right. He starts following the girl. And also he sees on the wall of her yes, apartment, this, symbol. this strange like two diamond symbol etched on the wall or like mm-hmm. painted on the wall. So he starts following the girl and he spends, it's like a 10 minute sequence of him driving in LA, following this girl and her two friends. 
which leads him to a party, I believe. Yep. Which I don't know how he gets into that party because he's like nobody. He just walks in. And then he has a friend there. Yes. His friend who you know from Westworld as. Right. I love him. And Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name. And I don't know any of his names, fictional or real. <laughs> Jimmy? Is he Jimmy yeah. something? Yes. Anyway. Is he he goes the in McPoyles? the pool in his clothes. He is one of the McPoyles. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh. Which was very weird, like finding him attractive in Westworld after <laughs> him as a McPoyle. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, like you get to the party and it, it it's like there's a girl there with balloons all over her and like doing she's, an interpretive dance. Yeah. And like the hand, the minute you come into the party, they hand you a pin and you like use the pin to pop her balloons. Yes. Which like right off the bat, that feels like there's some kind of symbolism there. But it's funny because I feel like they're making fun of how L.A. parties are. And on the one hand, I'm like, I've never been to one of those parties. So I, I've never been to one. I have. They're kind of cool. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I, I want to say that's not how LA parties are, but at the same time, like, I mean, it, it is at a certain level. Yes, that's true. There's, I mean, I, I heard of a party where uh, an executive threw. I was not invited to it because I was a PA, but it was a quote unquote white party where like only white people. No, that's how that sounds. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> every all everyone had to party? wear white. Oh, yeah. Everyone wore white and all of the help. They do that every season on Real Housewives. Yes. All of the help, like they had gorgeous women who were dressed up in skimpy outfits as elves. And then they had little people who were dressed up as dwarves. And like, it's literally like this crazy level of wealth where they're just like, look at this. Isn't this Mm -hmm. funny? I'll tell you the first time I came to L.A., right? I'd never been to L.A. I I lived in New York. I was going to school at NYU. And- my short film got a got basically won me a free trip out here to like play at the the directors guild right so mm-hmm. they put us up at the standard which is like a trendy hip hotel on on the sunset strip i show up the first thing i experience in la is you go to check in and like behind the check in desk is a basically like a glass aquarium with no water in it with like scantily clad women what? just have you never been to the standard missy uh- it's like just like a, a, like a, it's scantily. a babe terrarium. Yeah. And she lays in there and basically like, she kind of like does whatever she plays on her phone. It's not like, it's not like dirty. She just, it's just sort of like a bored girl going Ugh. about like whatever, playing so on her this phone. This is or, kind of like this movie. So I was like, I don't understand. Why is there a fucking like, a, what'd you call it? A girl terrarium? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why is this a thing? Like LA is weird. Right. And, and, so the movie is not wrong. Like those, that's how the parties are. So when I saw the balloon oh girl gosh. dancing around, I was like, I easily could believe that'd be at an LA party. Well, I mean, I think in the hindsight, you're able to see that much of this movie is about you need to lower your expectations because like he unravels this grand conspiracy. And at the end, it doesn't mean anything like he finds the guy, which I love the scene with the 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 songwriter. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hated that scene. Oh, really? So much. If there. That scene is so out of place. Like, fuck you. It's bananas. (laughs) But it's like, even that dude, he's like, why are you putting these? He finds out they're putting messages in pop music and they've been doing it for years. And he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, I don't know. They just tell me what to do and I do it. They're like messages for specific people. It's not for everybody, which that guy was dressed up like that old guy. He was the villain in this season of Jessica Jones. We were talking about the villain of Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones last episode. Yeah. Season one. So it basically is, it seems to be that if I were to tease out a theme of this movie, it's that many people look at art, as you said, Rodney, and expect something more. But literally like that woman, the moment that you enter into a scene behind the uh, enter into a party behind the scenes of Hollywood, you have to burst your bubble 
and go, nope, none of this has meaning. This is all just like the self bloviating, you know, tr everyone's trying to pat themselves on the back the hardest because like you have that scene later where they walk into a, a he walks into a different party and you overhear this these two people talking and they go, oh, yeah. Can you believe that she's the first person to ever direct, write, star in and sound design and edit her own pilot? And they go, can you believe she's 12? And it's like, she's the voice of a generation. I don't think anyone older could ever do that. And it's just like this, this level of like, how much can I get on my own dick about like how smart I am? And so it's, it's like you have, I think as an audience member, you have expectations of what Hollywood art narrative film is. And he's saying that like, you can search for meaning anywhere, but ultimately it's meaningless. And so that's why you're literally popping a bubble as you walk in because your bubble is burst. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, it, it feels like it's all just steeped in this metaphor. But if your theme is like nothing matters, then why am I watching your movie? I feel like trying to find meaning in this movie is like the movie trying to find conspiracy theories. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. You just found meaning. Yeah. I mean, I I just can't like, I guess it's I like, I guess it's maybe like kind of a genius movie uh, that also is just frustrating and hard to in, but I enjoyed it. I don't know. I thought you liked feeling weird. David, is it David Robert Mitchell or is it Robert? It's David Robert Mitchell, right? Listen, David, if you're listening, I applaud you. I applaud you. This was, this is a bizarre fucking movie. And if you set out to like make me toss and turn at night thinking about it after it ended, I've been thinking about your movie more than I think about almost anything else. And I'm starting to, like, I'm starting to feel like I'm going crazy, especially when you find out that there is a code hidden in the movie. Did you know that? What do you mean? No. Oh my God, I am about to fucking blow your mind. Is this a real code, Rodney? This is a real fucking thing. Is it the Konami code? Uh, no. No. <laughs> but that might be in there too. And scrolling at the bottom of the news report, there is a sentence that says the like Copial code found scribbled like uh, in graffiti or something, right? Later in the film, I only know this by the way, because I went down a Reddit hole mm. later in the film, Andrew Garfield walks by, he's like walking down the street and there's like weird symbols spray painted on a cement wall, right? Those symbols also show up in the bathroom stall where he throws up because he ate the weed cookie, right? Mm -hmm. So the Copial code, if you do some research, is apparently this like this ancient, not ancient, like a hundred years old code that was like recently deciphered. And basically if you use the Copial code, when you're driving home, your girl, your your sister will stick her head out the window and she hits the telephone pole. Yep. And oh, then I knew it, it. It's an Ari Aster <laughs> film. Yeah. You just have to put the Copial code on anything and it'll kill someone. <laughs> but basically, if you use that to decipher the writing on the bathroom stall or on the, the wall he walks by, it says like, like something like coffee shop, right? Okay. And then if you go back to the beginning of the film, one of the first scenes is him waiting in line to get coffee, right? And on the menu that's like written in chalkboard, there's little dots and dashes it's Morse. It's Morse code. If you use them, it says three words, right? And what three words? Three words is a is like a Google site that like links. Basically, you put in three words and it turns those words into actual geographical coordinates, right? So keep that site. Then when he, the part early in the movie when he like is like spending the evening with the blonde girl, uh -huh. and they're like watching. What is the movie? Like uh, uh, How to Marry a Millionaire. Oh, in yeah. the dolls. And yeah, she has three, three dolls do sitting yeah. on her nightstand. And those dolls have little like weird symbols on them. And when you use the Copial code on them, you get three words. And those words are like sheriff. I forget what the other two are, right? But when you put those into the three words geo website, it pinpoints a spot out in the middle of like the desert 
outside of San Jose. And that's where the the Reddit thread ended. What? Rodney. And then I tried to comment, but the thread has been locked and closed. What? And so it basically, the last thread basically says like, yeah, it pinpoints to this like random spot, but the, apparently no one has gone. What do you mean no one has gone? I, I, I'm just telling you what I know. So like everyone that went there die? I, I'm telling you. And that's what we don't know? Everything I know is that all I'm telling you is that this is not like crazy talk. You can verify this. This movie has a fucking code embedded what does in the code it. code mean? That, that it, it means you should go to this random spot. Do out you want and, to go? I do want to go. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I do. I want to go. I want to go out there. I don't know. Popper's taking road trip. Yeah. <laughs> it, it apparently leads to the base of a of a mountain called Barton Peak outside of San Jose. Oh, is this where some of the, the ladies are buried? So someone on the Reddit thread said that this is an ascension chamber. It probably is an ascension chamber. But like, I don't know if those are real things or not. I so, thought Chris would know. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there has been like with the resurgence of demonology and shit that there's like... You know, in the late 1800s with all the rich people in London practicing. And I'm sure there's like a bunch of occult, occult shit where there was so much Egyptology coming out. And a bunch of the Egyptology research was funded by these fucking psychos that were like, I have too much money. I want to live forever. What did the pharaohs do? Yeah, but I, I get so I'm, this is the one spoiler of the movie because he does. We were in far enough to the episode. I'm pretty sure we could give a spoiler. Yeah, no, I mean, like, but I mean, what I mean to say is there the only question, the only real mystery of the movie is like what happened to the blonde girl, yeah. right? Was she killed? We, yeah, because we see there was a car that was found and he finds the, a picture where her hat was in the car. So he thinks Sarah was killed in this car crash. Yeah, he thinks she she died in the car with the billionaire. Yes, exactly. Tur- but of course, like the anytime I'm watching a movie and someone's like, a car crash burned the bodies beyond finding. I'm like, well, they're yeah. still alive. We found four teeth. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like if I were a detective. And one fingertip. <laughs> I feel like there is no detective who's like, yeah, they're dead. You know, like, no, they are out there. They are definitely alive. And there is definitely something suspicious. Like, I feel like it would cut to me as Daniel Craig and I would turn to the camera and be like, I, I suspect, suspect foul play. play. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it turns out that billionaires who come to realize, I guess, their money means nothing, and that everything is bullshit and life is stupid, decide that they will be buried inside like a really comfortable, like, like an apartment that they build inside a mountain mm-hmm. with three women, three gorgeous women. That are their wives. Yeah, I guess they're technically their wives, right? Yes. And they will spend their final six, six months. months basically just like fucking and like having yeah. fun. But like, so it turns out the blonde girl is one of them. And, and then like, they cover it in concrete so you can't get out. And yeah. you can't call out of it because they don't want them to get scared, but you, you can call into it. So yeah, so Andrew Garfield meets this other guy who's like, he he's prepping he and his three wives because they're soon about to do this. And that's who he was following at these parties. These girls that were the wives of this other rich guy. Were those the same three girls? Yeah, those mm-hmm. are the same three girls uh, that he's been following all around LA. And so they're like, yo, do you want to like talk to Blondie? And they like give him, a, they give him a phone. He calls her and he's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. And she's like, why? Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't even know me. <laughs> yeah. She basically is like, hey, I, uh, I'm totally down with just like being buried alive and fucking for six months and then dying. And I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I, again, I don't understand anything about the movie, but like, if you're a billionaire, why, why not just ride out your days having sex with beautiful women in your house as he opposed to being. must believe this works, which but, I don't know how you would. But. Well, that's, that's what it's all about, right? It's like, you can search for symbols and meaning everywhere and you can construct some sort of 
system of belief that makes sense. But if you're not willing to take that leap of faith, you'll never know. It's all for naught. Yeah. So that's why we have to drive to the desert. Yes. Today. Well, I'm thinking maybe we plan it, but (laughs) although once this episode comes out, maybe someone else will do it. But I think that's almost maybe there is something at the end of the rainbow, but I I think that's part of what it is, is that it's, it's the hope of what's going to be at the end of the yes. rainbow. Yeah, there Actually is no pot of gold. The, the yes. rainbow, it's believing that satisfying. there is. Yeah. I genuinely believe if we drive out to the desert, we will find either nothing or a little sign that says you yeah. have completely wasted your time. I think it's like saying enjoy the journey, like the, the road trip out there would be really fun. Getting there would be. Yeah, I guess it's nothing impressive. I'll tell you this. When I told my wife about the uh, the code within the movie, she said, well, that's clever. But, you know, what would have been more clever if he had just made a good movie. <laughs> wow. Burn. Okay. And I was like, that's a valid point. Like, but it, it, I don't think it wasn't a good movie. Here's the thing. A24 is really are, unique. We're like the kings of pretension. Like all they do is just like, yo, you, you got a pretentious long movie. Give it to us. We'll make it right. Even they were like, I don't know what to do with this one. Like just. It's just fucking here, Amazon. Just put it, bury it deep in your fucking (laughs) list of movies, you know? I don't know. Like, what's the point of a movie that has no point, right? There's no story because like, I mean, okay, yeah, he finds out where the blonde girl went and turns out the blonde girl is nuts. And basically, and maybe even that is commentary, right? That like, you've become attached to some girl you met one night, but like, she's a crazy person. I think it's also like, he might be like schizophrenic or something. Like he's killing these dogs. I'm sure. I just didn't get that. I- Oh, I absolutely got that. I just. Well, because he's an unreliable narrator, right? It's all from his perspective. But he's not the narrator. Well, we're seeing everything from his point of view. Yeah. Like literally we go into his POV to see women barking at him. Like it's from his perspective. Yeah, sure. The women do bark at him. That is weird. I also felt like, I don't know. I think you could take this literally metaphorically physically. I think you could take it a lot of ways and they're all could. You can take it all those ways and you're you're right. Yeah. Whatever way you're taking it. That's that's why the movie Whatever you want to get out of it. That's why I say it. it's sort of genius. It's like he made a movie that is somehow exempt from criticism. Like I feel like if you said to him your movie is a work of genius or if you said it's a piece of shit, he would be like you're, you're correct. You have strong opinions though. Yes, you're yeah. def- Yes, I will say that. You absolutely will watch this movie and have a strong opinion. Yeah. Did you feel like there's any kind of I, I guess the term would be like misogyny. Did you feel like there was Here's how I felt. I felt like every woman in the movie, and there are a lot of women in the movie, were either sex objects, dumb, or prostitutes. And that felt weird to me, you know? Mm-hmm. But again, maybe that's like a commentary. Like you meet you meet some actresses who then later turn out to actually be prostitutes on the side because they're I like, know, you don't really make yeah. money being an actress. There's like a shot, there's this random scene <laughs> that describes like 80% of the scenes. <laughs> But there's a scene where there's like this, this like this like fat schlubby dude sitting in his like little garage, and he had like imagine like a lemonade stand, except the sign says, "Oh my gosh, yeah, movie auditions." Yes, and all these like beautiful women are like showing up with their headshots, and it's clearly like a commentary on how desperate women are in LA to like get into acting that they'd even go it's audition. Sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's like cliche and what people think of LA. Is it really like that? I mean, I'm not in that industry, so I don't know. Again, that's what makes. So I hope it's not like that. No, that I mean, women like if if like a if a dude just like had that audition in his driveway. No, that that many people would not show up. But then again, if it they did, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It. 
Uh, you would be surprised what you can't do it in your own house, but you would be surprised what people show up to audition for. That's true. If you if you like rented like a like a workspace for an afternoon. If you say yes. I am paying union rates, people will show up to the fucking desert and queue. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. That's true. It's un- we don't know enough about the guy and if like if he had an ad in, you know, whatever. Right. So I think we can all agree that that guy's character plot was like way underdeveloped. Yes, there should be more of him. <laughs> more of that. Let me let me tell mm-hmm. you the thing, the, the the couple things that really don't make any sense. And they're not even really I mean, maybe there's more to it that I'm not thinking about. But the first of all, there's the pirate guy. That's the isn't that the billionaire at the end? That's the billionaire. Is it him? I just thought it was someone like that's procuring he these looked, girls. Like he that looked worked way for younger. worked for the Ascension Company. And I was oh. helping to procure the girls. I don't know. Oh. Help okay. like do the logistical stuff above ground. Okay. But maybe it was the billionaire. I don't know. He was in an eye no. patch. It was a guy the, in an eye patch. No, because the, the, the billionaire looked totally different. That dude was No, like, the other billionaire, the one at the end with the long hair that they see in the teepee at the end. Oh. That I don't know. But he wasn't wearing an eye patch then. So I know, maybe it was a disguise. I don't know. All right. I guess I guess we easily could just Google who the actor is. But like basically there's a there's a fucking pirate in the movie who shows up a couple times and then he disappears. There's clearly people helping make this happen, these ascension chambers. So Yeah. All right. Yeah, and this eye patch guy was involved in both ascension chambers. So let's talk about the songwriter guy. Cause that that scene, oh my God. Like he was in really bad prosthetics. Yeah. So Andrew Garfield about half more than halfway through the movie i don't even remember what leads him is it the map that leads him there it's that's actually one of the weakest breadcrumbs because he basically gets the sense that there is codes in the uh songs from whatever oh, from the, the he goes to the party and there's this band playing live and someone tells him there's codes in the song yeah and then and he accosts jesus and the brides of dracula so the, lead singer. the lead singer and says who wrote this song and he goes oh man the label just told me to put these on i didn't write it and then he remembers he was talking to one of the girls he meets along the way who's like we went to the oh the prostitute the escort who's also an actress he was talking to her and she's like yeah there was this one party we went to and we were allowed to do anything but we couldn't go in this one house and he's like the song the song yeah and he was like that's it so that that to me was like one of the weakest breadcrumb connections because he was just like wait there was a party with a songwriter so that's the guy what yeah so yeah, he figures out that it's like this. He goes, he goes to this house, which strangely is also the house they use in the Neon Demon. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I I recognize the pool, and I was like, that looks like the pool from the Neon Demon. And again, I don't know if if David Robert Mitchell like liked the Neon Demon, and he's playing homage to that. I don't know. I'm sure he would. I felt like he's paying homage to like 80 films. Yeah, I think so too. But they go there. And there is this old man who's clearly a young man in bad prosthetic yeah. makeup. And I'm not sure why they didn't just get an old man. I, I don't know. Yeah. And he basically sits at a piano and he tells Andrew Garfield that, like, I am the man who has secretly written, like, every pop song you have ever loved. And then he begins to, like, play them on the piano in, like, in this coked out maniacal fashion it's like 10 seconds of each one. It's like 10 seconds of like, hit me baby one more time. The Cheers theme, fucking like, I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Smells like teen spirit. He's got like Kirk Cobain's guitar there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the point of the scene. He's just like, he's he's basically saying there are shadowy government figures who like pay me to write pop songs with coded messages in them. that get pumped out to the, the you know, the world, but they're not for you. They're I for think specific that was the point people. Of, of him finding out that like, they're not, we're not trying to like take over 
the whole world's mind through these songs, it's to send a message to one specific person. Well, why not just fucking it, send a letter? I didn't say it's a good idea. Like, it's like a weird way. I that, didn't say it's a good well, idea. That, that's why I think Andrew Garfield's character, it's shown from his perspective and he's fucking losing his mind. Yeah. But like, is that guy even there? Because that dude then randomly pulls out a gun and starts shooting at Andrew Garfield. And then Andrew Garfield grabs a guitar and bashes his fucking head in. He like kills a yeah. dude. And I'm like, first of all, like you've, left your fingerprints all over this place, right? Like, yeah. that's what you're worried about? It's one of many things I'm worried about. I didn't know how he thought he was going to get out of it. If this is like one of the richest guys that's what in I'm the saying. world, like how the hell is he Because none of it's it real. It? But that's the thing. It the, the whole scene feels unreal. Like, maybe if I rewatch the movie and watch it thinking Andrew Garfield is a crazy dog killer who's losing his mind, I'll have a totally different experience. Because mm-hmm. I took that scene at face value that there's like, a crazy old man who writes all the pop songs, right? Because nothing else in the movie besides the dog barking is like a weird trip for Andrew Garfield's character that I can think of. He does beat Just up a lot of people. Just how obsessed he is with codes, I guess. Yeah. I love when he beat up those little kids. That yeah. was funny. <laughs> but yeah. it also made him very unsympathetic because it's like, you're like, oh, th- these kids are being obnoxious. And then he just keeps beating yeah. them. <laughs> so, oh, they do, they do make- Which a- shows that he's violent. Maybe he- would kill a dog. They do set up that he has like, he has like papers by the side of his bed and. Oh, that he's been obsessed with wheel of fortune and watching Vanna White's eye movements. Yes. Every time she's been on air for many years. So they do say that he basically has already been kind of like a crazy sees codes and everything kind of guy. Yeah. I guess you're just like dipping into the life of this like person who's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. And he knows, and he doesn't want to say it. And the second he lets his girlfriend no, she's mm-hmm. like, I gotta go. I will say, here. here's what I was thinking about. I wonder if the movie would be better. I don't know. If if Andrew Garfield had a character arc, right? He, that's the thing about this movie. It's not the, it, here's a version of the same movie, right? Andrew Garfield is like a normal schmo who's just trying to make it in LA. And this is kind of like Blue Velvet, right? Like mm-hmm. a normal guy who, a girl goes missing and he's like, I'm going to find out what happened to her. And he starts to slowly believe that there are codes. Mm-hmm. And he like basically. But he didn't already believe there were codes before the movie started. Right. So I could see a version of this movie where it's the story of a quote unquote sane person who starts to unravel. And like everyone's like, you're losing your mind. There are no codes. Right. And then it turns yeah. out there are codes and so forth. And that creates an actual like satisfying like to agree and like a story. And this movie lacks that. I think that's the thing that I'm rebelling against the most. I like all the weirdness and the codes and it's shot really well and it's really well acted and it's cool in certain scenes, but it it just doesn't, it's not like, it's not a A to B story. No. Nor is it the story that's of like- That's why I feel like kind of a dream. Yeah, it's just sort of like- Like in, like there's the other, there's the owl's kiss lady, like a she really well. Oh, I love real? that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the owl's kiss lady. I don't so the the Chris, zine Chris. writer who uh, is very paranoid. At one point, he has all these what he calls I think they're death masks, but he calls them life masks mm-hmm. of the uh, different actors on his wall. And he goes, okay. "I need a family." Yeah, and you're I like, "Want to leave these two. Yeah. <laughs> so he's obviously depressed and alone, and he's worried about the owl lady, who is this you know succubus type creature woman. I mean, she has long claw fingers, so she's I don't know. She's a naked woman in an owl mask that comes in and will kill you. Yeah, she seduces men and women, and you know murders you. Yeah. 
And so uh, halfway through the movie, after meeting him, uh, Sam returns to that guy's place and sees cops coming out and they go, um, poor guy just killed himself. And he sneaks into the crime scene because he remembers that the guy showed him this like little panic safe room that has all the video. Like he's totally wired his house up and he looks at the videotape of what happened and he sees the owl lady come in and presumably murder. The yeah. guy. But there's, and then, like, that's two it. Scenes later, he sees the owl woman coming in. For him in yeah. his apartment. No, yeah. she she shows up at his apartment. She like crawls out from under his sink. Right. And then he he gets a gun. I forget how he got the gun. From the the songwriter. Yeah. He oh, took right. his. Yes. And then he like, like, you never see the owl lady again. Yeah. yeah. Like, but like that's where the movie, that's one of the things about the movie that. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Is there actually. No. I think the owl lady is because it only attacks secluded, isolated people. But it's 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 the seclusion and isolation you feel in L.A. and how some people succumb to suicide. So you're saying the crazy zine guy killed himself. Yes. And then he, Andrew Garfield watches the video and he's like what he sees. Is well, he's act- delusional. Yeah, I, I guess. Depends if you want to take it literally or not. I, I guess. It's the story of a delusional guy living in L.A. and the the he's just starting to crack. Yeah. And I was watching it under the impression that Andrew Garfield is a sane person. You know, you can no, watch I mean, it that way, too. I think that's not. It is about how this is my ways. take is that it is a movie about how people come to L.A. with hopes and aspirations and dreams. But in order to be crazy enough to do that, you have to be delusional. What does and, Andrew Garfield want to do? That's why it doesn't matter. Okay. He's come to LA for some reason and he's alone, which you know, because he calls his mom who doesn't live here. And he, you know, he's surrounded by young creatives who are all struggling and like kind of faking it till you're making it. And you have to be crazy to want to do that. And I think at a certain point, the delusion, the isolation, the soul crushing fakeness of LA as it's portrayed in the movie has finally made him snap. And so this is him looking. It's the idea that like, you are come, you've come to L.A. looking for meaning. There is no meaning. You are the fool. And in the end of the movie, he basically abandons everything because there's this, you know, they, they do the very traditional like, you got to kick your character. You got to he's repairing a car and he hits a thing and the oil hits him in the face. He's like on his last rent, like missed rent payment and he's going to be evicted. And the movie ends with him being evicted, but smiling about it. So I think it's the the character arc, if I were going to tease it out, is that he goes from somebody who is looking for meaning in LA, L.A. to be willing to look at it as what it is and like be able to be willing to let it go. He's not dug in and stuck. Yeah, he did. Followed it till the last breadcrumb and right. he found whatever meaning was there and it had nothing for him. So, right. He's willing to make a break. Now he doesn't have to work at right. figuring it out anymore. Right. It's midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, this is, I want to, I, I want to applaud this for being just so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's so weird. I, I don't know. Like, I'm glad I watched it. Absolutely. I'm glad you recommended it, Missy. Mm-hmm. I'll continue to listen to the score, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. I actually really liked the song they wrote for it originally. It like really reminded me of the the song the the whatever Jesus and the Brides of Satan, oh, yeah. Brides yeah. of Dracula. <laughs> that song. I'm like, this is this is a earwig. It's like it's <laughs> bad. It's bad. Good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I like. I always want to revisit this on a later episode. I feel like we should have segments where we bring people on and they watch it and talk about it with us. I don't know. Like that's all this podcast is going to be now is we make people watch Under the Silver Lake and explain <laughs> it. How did you think? But this is de- I, this is definitely not a movie for like 
what I like, quote unquote, general audience. No, is. absolutely right. not. Like, like Joe in St. Louis, you will hate this movie. I think you will hate I mean, this don't movie. Don't judge no. Joe. I, I mean, you know, I know what Joe likes. <laughs> Joe likes fucking Annabelle. You know, like, <laughs> Joe like Joe's waiting for Conjuring Three. I, I, that might be good too, but this is not for you. Like, this is this isn't even for people who like did follows. Like, just for it'd yeah. be better if you've never seen it follows for you to watch this movie. Yeah. If you wanted Hitchcock movies to not make sense, this movie's for you. Yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, I know I've said it a bunch, but like it's, it's in the same way in Mulholland Drive where Mulholland Drive, like you get to the end of the movie and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, was there a point? I don't understand anything that I just watched. But the question is, does that matter if you enjoyed yourself up to that exactly. point? And I love Mulholland Drive and I have like, I have a sort of eye understanding of what it's about in the same way I, this I sort of understand. Well, it evokes a question without offering a concrete answer. And that's kind of, yeah, it's Mulholland Drive. Like, I think it's cool just spending time in somebody else's brain that works so differently than your own. We're, we wouldn't end the story this way, but mm. we get to see how someone else's brain works that's really different than yeah. ours. I think, I think I said this already, but I do, I feel like it's intentionally saying you, there is so much meaning in my movie but it's about how nothing has meaning. So as you dig deeper for the meaning of my movie, the more you should realize there is none and you are the fool. And that creates a weird loop in my brain. (laughs) It's like, it is really disturbing. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, we're narrative creatures and our entire understanding of life comes from us. I want fucking meaning. Projecting meaning on it. Yeah. And so he's just, just end the script. Just be like, no, things have meaning. Fuck you, dude. Um, yeah, I, uh, all right. I, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about this? We talked about most of the thing. I mean, again, we talked about a lot. There's a bunch of shit we didn't talk about. Yeah. There's an underground nightclub where people drink on the tombstones of dead people. He mm-hmm. eats a weed cookie and Does goes that place to, exist? I don't the think under- so. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't, I can't, I would, it, I would have a hard time believing there's a nightclub under that mausoleum in real life. Okay. Is there a nightclub in the middle of Hollywood forever? No, there is not. Right. not no, that, I that, is, that is a real cemetery, but there is no nightclub there to my mm-hmm. knowledge. They do have parties. They, and yeah. they they show concerts there. Um, mm-hmm. And movies. We didn't talk yeah. about the weird naked bird lady that lives across from him. Yeah, did the parrot the have end. any words there, to say? Like it sounded comments? like I love you. It sounded like mm-hmm. Oliver. I don't know. You know, I think that that bird is the point of the movie. Because I've read a lot of people online arguing about what is the parrot saying, right? And I think genuinely the parrot is just making parrot noises. Yeah. But he intentionally intentionally say a couple times, I don't, like, what's he saying? Like, it's implied the bird is saying something. Yeah. And if you just scratch at it a little more, you'll get to, you'll hear what the bird's really saying. But the bird is just making noise. And it's like a commentary on, like, dig all you want. It's, it, there's no, there is no words here. Yeah. Right. It's pareidolia. Like when you look at the the moon and you see a man in the moon, there's no face. You're just putting that there. There is a man in the moon. That's been confirmed. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's that is a fact. We just had the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. Yeah. How dare you, sir? You one of those moon anti-believers? Huh? I I think a, Stanley Kubrick faked the man in the moon. I'm a flat mooner. <laughs> the Earth is round. The moon is flat. You know. Charles Armstrong said that's one small step for a moon, a moon and one giant leap for the man in the moon. Yes. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I hey, look, I normally I, I like to tell people I, I feel like the point is to say you should watch this or you shouldn't watch. Don't this. Don't watch it when you're like super tired. If you have like a night, I don't even where know. you're just in the mood to to chill and aren't rushed. Yeah, watch make sure you I mean, don't look, like I wouldn't like drink or do like be too drunk or too tired. I don't this requires all of your attention and none of your attention. Yeah. Is this a movie to be high for? I don't know. I feel like this would put you to sleep if you're high. I think so too. There's, it's not like, it's not like, it's not zany enough to like tickle that part of you that once, you know, like when you're high, like there's some music scenes and stuff. So every time know. you'll wake up, you'll be in a new scene and be like, whoa, I missed so much. Yeah. I, um, all right. Yeah. Hey, under the silver lake, it exists. <laughs> It's, I think, I over- think we all are recommending. Yeah. Watch it. If, if we're down into a world of like gr- black and white, then yes, I am recommending yes. you watch this movie. If you like classic films and want more of that, watch it. If you find them slow and boring, don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess watch Vertigo and ask yourself, did I like this? Of course yeah. you did. But don't go expecting Vertigo. I don't really like Vertigo. Oh, okay. What? Yeah. I only I saw it one time. I don't yeah, that's like one it. of the best posters of all time. <laughs> well, I don't can't even picture what the poster is. Is it the one with all the birds? Yes. The, it's like all the birds in the, sh- the shower birds. with all the blood. Oh, yeah. So there's like called, there's like the guy running from the airplane as uh-huh. he hangs off yeah. the Statue of Liberty. South by Vertigo Psycho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. Just trim all that shit down to a, a nice 90, 90 seconds. <laughs> it, it, congratulations, we we've invented trailers. Yeah, I might. You might not know this, but I love trailers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liar. I'm done. Goodbye. I'm done. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. Next week we're coming back with Chris's pick, The Monster. Is that correct, Chris? Why? Why? Why you gotta call me out? Well, you're the one who recommended it. Yeah, that's why. If anyone's gonna watch it ahead of time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bertino's uh, 2016, The Monster. Yeah, watch The Monster and then come join us, and we'll all talk about it together. But you'll do, you'll just listen. All right. All goodbye. Right. <laughs> Bye. I love you. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. If you could uh, like, subscribe, and share this episode, that'd be great. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, it really helps us out, helps us get discovered by other people. If you want to share your feedback with us, we can be reached at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah!